0: Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. Our current series is entitled, A Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines. We are being led by Milton Redeker, our men's ministry coordinator, Renee Rivera, and Eric Reed, the minister to married young adults and men at Houston's First Baptist Church. To find out more about our men's ministry, please visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org. We hope that this podcast is a blessing to you, and we'll see you soon. You made it you see,
1: this day and thank you for the men that have shown their interest in this class. Thank you for those who've come and gone and for whatever reason they're not here tonight for here because he's in a teacher's meeting and Renee is uh, being loyal to his uh, business and Lord I just pray that tonight's class would fill the need in each of our lives as we talk about service, our service to the unsaved, our service to this church, our service to one another. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Hey, so Brad showed up too. Brad, this is Mike York in front of you. Yeah. We're talking about service tonight, and you've already got a link up here. But if you were defining service, what would you say service is beyond what's up here on the board? We're talking about Christian service. Or it could be military service. What is service? Help. What? <coughs> Help. Okay? Meeting others' needs. What Pat Morley said about service. He highlights Solomon's life. We all know who Solomon was, what he became. Solomon was the chief executive officer of the world's largest conglomerate, the president of his country, the commander in chief. Number one on the Forbes list of billionaires, the greatest patron of the arts, the poet laureate of his nation, a Nobel Prize winning scientist, a developer whose buildings would have trumped Trump, and the owner of a fleet of merchant ships. He was teacher of the year and more famous than Lance Armstrong and the miracle idol combined. Here's how he summarized his life. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. That's found in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. And then Solomon added, So I hated my life. You think he was a servant? Very selfish man. Very selfish man. So service... Is being selfless. Service, as we've put up here, is almost always sacrificial, although we often feel as if we gain more than we give. We mentioned, somebody mentioned uh, meeting needs. If you don't know there is a need, you can't meet that need, so you, that is, there's no service involved there. But when we know there is a need, we can be of service. And so we've also said it involves submission to God's agenda. Well, what's God's agenda? Meeting the needs of others. Wherever Jesus, we find wherever Jesus would go, whatever he would do, and that's what a servant is. We also mentioned it means focusing on someone other than myself. Solomon certainly focused on himself, didn't he? And we have more than 50 mission trips by thousands of members that go all over the world serving Jesus and doing all of these things. Let's go to the next slide, John. Developing a mindset of a servant. (laughs) Let's look at these for a minute. Number one, service feels out of a maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. The real key word there is a maturing relationship. Every one of you in here wants to be more mature tomorrow, the next day, the next year, than you are right now. Mm -hmm. So it's an ongoing maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. Not with yourself, not with your Sunday school teacher, not with your pastor, not with your music minister, but with Jesus Christ. Number two, developing the mindset of a servant is a feeling that one can no longer be happy unless he does something to serve. Right? Are you happiest when you're serving? Yeah. Well, where are you serving? You could be just serving at home. Your children, your spouse. You could be serving at work by being a good example at work. You could be serving in your church. Number three, if you cannot serve out of overflowing gratitude, don't. If it becomes burdensome to you, stop. And I like the word overflowing. How do you you serve out of overflowing? It's something that you already are, and it's not something you've become. You serve out of an overflowing gratitude. Mm -hmm. Number four, when the time is right, Christ will sort you, fill you, make you, shape you, and you will know what to do. It's sort of like that little old chorus. Use me, feel me, make me, mold me. And so that is a developing, a Christ, that's right, that's right. Developing a Christ-like attitude. I want us to look at some scriptures before we move on. No, that, you're fine. John, you take the first one. Blake, you take the second one. Gary, you take the third one. Mike, you take number four, Brad, number five, and Dustin, number six. And let's look at these. Oh, okay. I'll do number one. The first one is Philippians 2, verses five and nine. Philippians 2, 5-9 God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus every knee should bow. He humbled himself. To be a servant, we need to humble ourselves. Even we've seen the picture of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. He humbled himself. Have you ever had your feet washed by somebody else? You ever had that? Never ever done
2: that?
1: Not since I was a kid. Oh, we ought to do that. No, I'm I'm just kidding. But it is a humbling experience. Okay, number 2. Blake. Okay.
2: Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, "What do you wish?" She said to him, "Command that your kingdom command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left." But Jesus answered, "You do not know what you are asking. You are able to drink the Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. After hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. (laughs) But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And then, neat, that's
1: found in Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. Now, John 13, 1 through 17. Mike, you have that? Gary? Okay.
0: Passover feast. Jesus knew that It was time for him to leave this world and go back to the Father. He'd always loved those who were his own, who, his own, who worked his own in the world, and he loved them all the way to the end. Jesus and his followers were at the evening meal. The devil had already persuaded Judas Iscariot to turn against Jesus. Judas was the son of Simon. Jesus knew that the Father had given Power over everything. He also knew that he had come from God and was going back to God. So during the meal, Jesus stood up and took off his outer clothing. Taking a towel, he wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a bowl and began to wash his followers' feet. He dried them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus came to Simon Peter, but Peter said to Jesus, "Lord, you are are you going to wash my feet?" <laughs> Jesus answered, "You don't understand what I am doing now, but you will understand later." Peter said, No, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I don't wash your feet, then you are not one of my people. Simon Peter answered, Lord, after you wash my feet, wash my hands and my head too. Jesus said, After a person has had a bath, his whole body is clean. He needs only to wash his feet. And you men are clean, but not all of you. Jesus knew who would turn against him. That is why Jesus said, not all of you are clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put them on his clothes and sat down. Jesus asked, do you understand what I have just done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and this is right, because that is what I am. I am your Lord and teacher, and washed your feet. I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. So you should also wash each other's feet. I did this as an example for you, so you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. A servant is not greater than his master.
1: A messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. Service not greater than his master? He did it. He demonstrated it for him, didn't he? He humbled himself. Yeah. All right, Brad. Tell us what you got and read it. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same word.
2: Each one, the manifestation of the
1: Spirit is given to the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that that one Spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, every one of us has different gifts don't we but it takes all of that to form the body of Christ some of you in here have a gift of teaching some of you have a gift of, of being a, a humble servant and just being faithful I like to use the, the word FAT you know what that stands for I always like to ask people are you a fat person but you know what that really stands for Anybody want to guess what F-A-T stands for? Well, I know one, factory acceptance test. Oh, <laughs> factory acceptance. That's a good one, Gary. Is the S stand for faith? Uh-uh. Faith now. Yeah, I was guessing faithful. How about this? See if you can guess the rest of it. Faithful. at. <laughs>
2: can you read that? Faithful.
1: Available. You want to guess what the T is? what? Teachable. 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 I hope you'll write that down and never forget it. Somebody asks you if you're fat, you say, I sure am. Faithful, available, and teachable. <laughs> A lot of people are faithful. we got some folks tonight that aren't available. They're <laughs> elsewhere. But this is the, the last one, the T. You can't be fat unless you're teachable. That's the foundation. Are you teachable? Sure you are. You wouldn't be here. You're teachable. Well, look down at your sheet there. More scriptures about service. Let's see, Dustin, let's get you to read your... Oh, that's all right. Okay, let's go to the more scriptures about service. Number one, Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. That's not talking about any day. That's talking about today. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Then Matthew 25, 35, 45 talks about inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. He's talking about children. He's talking about unsaved people. He's talking about people in need. He's talking about the poor, the lonely, the down and the out. And when you've done it unto them, you've helped them, you've done it unto him. Number three, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your what? Reasonable service. I don't know if any of you have ever presented your body for a living sacrifice. I never have. Literally. But he's talking about in your mind and in your heart. Romans 12, 1. Then, by love serve one another, which is found in Galatians 5, 13. By love serve one another. Can you serve any other way except by love? No. We only serve when we love. We serve those whom we love. And then finally, those who possess the land of promise must serve God or be swept off, which is mentioned in Esther two eight through twelve. Let me give you a website that you're going to want to go to. Copy this down. It's www. dot. Your Y O U R unique unique design. design. All of that's together. Your unique And some of you are in another class with me and you already know what that is. Mm-hmm. WWW, your unique design. And here's what it produces. I've already done this, it's an assessment. And it's by it's the way that they choose astronauts right here in our hometown. they don't really have really one. Okay, <laughs> this is my particular one that I did, but I want to refer to some things on it that will help you. It does cost you something to take it. a couple extra. Yeah. But I want you to turn the page and let's look at something. What it involves. Talking about servanthood. Right in the middle of the page, under introduction, what page number? the first page, it's okay. really page two. The serv- There in the middle of the page, it says Service by Design, your unique design edition, is a profile report that contains ten key features. After you take this, you'll know what your personality structure is, your personality strengths, viewpoints on life, what motivates you, how you deal with subject matter, your abilities, the setting of your total personality, relationships and how you deal with relationships, life tips for connecting to others, and potential pitfalls. And all of that will come out when you take this. And if you'll turn to page 5. That is my personality structure. Some of you who know me know that uh, I am very persistent. 100%. Commit myself to, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'll be there, I'll do it. Persistent. I'm a harmonizer, achiever, energizer, catalyzer, but very much, very little dreamer. And it tells you in this situation how those are played out in your life. Turn the page. Page six. It tells you your developing strengths, your viewpoint, your beliefs. The next page over. talks about the blind spots in your life, motivators, what motivates you. And then on page 9, it tells you what your design at work is. Do you see what mine is? Anything dealing with people, 70% occupies my time and my mind through the day, 70%. I'll let you read through that. That is yours to keep. But I want to give you something else. I don't compare this to mine. <laughs> yeah, I see what the difference is there. I have developed 142 questions that will help you, if you will answer them, will help you know what kind of a service you are. And some of them sound kind of crazy. Let's look at some of them. Look at number 18. When did you become a Christian? How did your life change? Talks about your family life. Talks about your values. It even gets pretty humorous. Turn to page number 28. What mischievous prank did you pull on someone? How did it affect you? You'll learn that the people you've admired through your childhood, whether they were servants or not, come in, Frank. Number 44. Here you go, Frank. To this, now you know, everyone knows I'm everyone knows, you're, everyone knows you're here. <laughs> We've got a good class tonight, finally. Y'all are going to get in on the best part of it. Some of these will not apply to you. Did all of you in here have brothers? Nearly every one of you? Well, number 50 may apply to you, but some of these I redesigned for myself. And whenever I finished these 142 questions, I had a 34-page summary of my life. And in that summary, it told me what I already knew about myself. It confirmed some things, but it also brings out the people in your life that have meant a lot to you, that were servants. It will also tell you something about your family that perhaps you didn't know. All these questions are designed much like this uh, servant piece I gave you earlier. But this is something that you will... It's called living and leaving a legacy. Your children... Everybody in here married? 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 Dustin not? Gary married? Frank? Yeah. John's not. Frank's not. Used to be. Gonna be. Yeah. The reason I call this living and leaving a legacy is when you finish these 142 questions, you will have a stamp on your life and on your family's life that will be there forever. I have, I think I'll bring it next week, the notebook that I have made for every one of my children and grandchildren. It has pictures in there. It has everything I've done about my life is a legacy that I will leave with them so that they will know my servant's heart. And you can too. Yours won't be anything like mine. But if you'll answer, take time to just sit down with a scratch pad and just start writing and answering those questions and then come back and put the question in and your answer underneath it. I came out with 34 pages. Well, let's move on. (coughs) Serving as a discipline could be taking a shift for a co-worker. Running an errand for someone who gets paid to run errands for you. Taking meals to needy families. Providing transportation for someone. Feeding pets and watering plants for neighbors. Having a servant's heart in the home. Now then, can you add to that? We're talking about Serving as a discipline. Can you think of something else other than those answers? Uh, doing PowerPoints for some people. PowerPoints. <laughs> that's right, John. John does a lot of PowerPoints for us. Thank you, John. Uh-huh. You're welcome. I give my daughter a bath. when You know, my wife works at home, and it's a big help on her. to come a side. I'm tired. Let me ask you this when you're doing something for other people you may be dog tired until you get into this being a servant mm-hmm. doesn't it kind of lift your spirit And I was thinking before I came in here tonight, man I've been up here all day I've been studying for a class tonight and a class tomorrow and one on Saturday and one on Sunday I'm tired but when I get in here doing what God's called me to do giving your child a bath it rejuvenates you because you're doing something for somebody else we're coming into the Christmas season the Thanksgiving season think about something that you can do that you don't normally do that you can be a servant in your home at church at work something that you don't normally do but if you think about it something you can show that in your heart, maybe nobody else that would show you you've been a servant, Thanksgiving and Christmas. We have special projects here in the church that help you do that. One is to call the Christmas store. And you'll be hearing a lot about that from the pulpit in all our communications. Well, what is the Christmas store? That's where we give gifts. We turn the gifts in here and they're taken over to our mission. And people come in there and can shop for nothing for Christmas. But by us and you contributing gifts, bringing gifts for a certain age group that you want to see have Christmas, you're being a servant. So think about that. Whenever you have fellowships, whenever you have dinners that the church is going to sponsor, your class is going to sponsor, you're going to be asked to probably Could you bring something? That's still being a servant. Let's move on to the next one, John. (laughs) How about that one? I put that in great big letters. (laughs) Men want to make a difference. Does anybody in here don't want to make a difference? I could have put an ellipsis there. Difference in what? Difference in your country? Difference in your job, difference in your home, difference in your church. I dare say, and I would like to see someday that every one of you take a place of responsibility here in the church. If it's doing nothing but babysitting the kids while somebody else has a good time here at church, if it means nothing but taking the gifts that come for the Christmas store over to the mission. Some way, somehow, because you've been in this class, you now have a responsibility. You've been told, you've been shown how you can be a servant. And you, more than likely, you've written down and taken some notes that you hadn't thought of before. Hey, I think I can do that. But in great big letters, men want to make a difference. How about Afghanistan? How about Iraq? How about Ford? hood the lady that stood and took three bullets was it three or four she, she took three or four bullets she, she made a difference she wasn't a man but boy she took a man sized job and took on the guy himself men want to make a difference and that's God's challenge to each of us that's the way we're wired We want to make a difference. What's misspelled Word here? That's and I apologize for that. What's the difference between the warrior versus the cupbearer? Whether God leads you to fight for your country or humbly serve others, one of the greatest proofs that you are a disciple is that you bear much fruit. Well, what does that mean? Hmm? What does bear much fruit? Anybody want to take a guess? What that really means, we talk about in Scripture all the time. We're supposed to bear much fruit. Be like Christ. Christ. What does that mean? Go where He'd go, do what He'd do.
2: Witness to other people.
1: Witness to other people, which our next session next week and our last session is going to be on evangelism. And I've asked Larry Lilly and uh, Lee Shaw, who are directors of our evangelism, to come in here and talk to us about evangelism in our church and in our lives. How we can be more evangelistic.
0: Does bearing food also um have some different things that you have? Because I often think of that as well.
2: The uh prosperity you have in Christ,
1: exactly. Let me read you something out of the here's another book I'd recommend, The Life of a God Made Man. The Life of a God-Made Man by Dan Dorini, D-O-R-I-A-N-I. Listen to what he says about servanthood. To illustrate, suppose three men go running five days each week. Suppose further that we ask each one why he is so dedicated to running. The first answer is, I run because my father died of a heart attack at 51, and I want to live long enough to retire and to see my grandchildren grow up. The second replies, I run so I can eat anything I want and still not gain weight. Running also makes me tired enough to sleep sound at night. The third says, When I run, my legs soar over the ground. The wind brushes my face. My heart beats like slow, heavy thunder in my chest, and I feel alive. The first man runs out of fear. He is afraid of what will happen if he stops. The second runs for its benefits. He runs because it enhances the quality of his life. He eats and sleeps better. For the third man, running is its own reward. The first and second men love health and food and sleep. Running is an instrument they use to gain what they desire. Only the third man actually loves running itself. The obedience of many Christians resembles the first two runners. Serving Out of a heart of gratitude. There is so much service that is lacking out there because there's no one that says, that'll step up and say, I'll do that. I can do that. Have you ever done something you really didn't want to do? Sure, you have. But you probably felt better after you did it if it was something good, not something chaotic. I can remember as a child doing a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have done. Didn't want to do, but I did them anyway. Sort of like the little boy the teacher put him over in the corner and stood him up because he was misbehaving. He turned around after a while and he said, I may be standing up, but I'm still sitting down over there in my chair.
0: <laughs>
1: our attitude. Our attitude towards service makes all the difference. Well, let's look at the questions for discussion. Number one, in your own words, explain why the biblical pursuit of service is not an effort to win God's favor by doing good deeds. Think about that for a moment. It's not an effort to win God's favor because He's already loved us. He's already died for us. Yes, Chuck?
2: Because we do it out our joy. So when you do it out our joy, it's not really an effort. Then our thankfulness for what we did to us.
1: Exactly. we serve others and we serve God because He is God. He died for us. We love him. He wants to he died for you. He died for me. So we don't do anything to earn his love. He's already done that. Number two, describe a man whom you know who is highly motivated to serve others. Anybody think of someone? who's highly motivated to serve others. I'll give you several examples who are my personal friends. Anybody know Charles Stanley? (laughs) Chuck Swindoll? Max Lucado?
2: Billy Graham? Billy Graham? Still living, right?
1: Yes. What do you think motivates those guys? They write all these books to make millions of dollars? They preach every week and teach Bible studies because they want to be known. Their desire is to serve others. And in so doing, encourage men, encourage families to walk with the Lord. And not say, do as I do and do as I say, but do as God says. Serve Him and love others. Number three, in light of what you've learned in this session, look up these verses. So, uh, Blake, look up Ephesians 2.10. Brad, look up John 15.8. Frank, look up Philippians 2.5. Did you bring your Bible? Good. And uh, Gary, look up James 1.27. And Mike, did I already give you one, Mike? Not yet. Okay. You take James two fourteen through seventeen. Okay, who has Ephesians two ten? That's me. Go ahead, Blake. For we are
2: his for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them.
1: We are what? His workmanship. Your mother and daddy may have uh, helped create you, but you're made in the image of God. We're his workmanship. Who has the next one? John 15. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Very much fruit. There it is again, isn't it? All right, Philippians 2 5 through 11. Who has that? Your attitude should be the same as that of Every tongue confess. Those Muslims are going to be surprised, aren't they? <laughs> you have any friends going to be surprised? Family members going to be surprised? <laughs> My wife and I have been, visit, been witnessing to a bunch of folks for ten years. For the first time, we have seventeen of those unsafe people coming to the celebration. Christmas music. They're Russian Jews, one of whom is my wife's boss. Every knee shall bow. I'm gonna pray that those seventeen people are so overwhelmed with the gospel December eleventh and twelfth. They'll never be the same. what are we doing in the next one? Is it James? Where are we? Yeah. James one twenty seven. James one twenty seven religion that God accepts is this. Caring for orphans
0: or widows who need help and keeping yourself free from the world's evil influence. This is the kind of religion that God accepts as pure and good. Do
1: you know any widows or orphans? Widows or orphans? Say no. Do you know we have a list that's kept here at the church? And every deacon is assigned at least one widow but I don't know any of them that are assigned an orphan we've got a bunch of children that are orphans they may not be orphaned by the the standard that they have no mother and father that their mother and father are dead but they're orphans from the fact that they come to church by themselves they have nobody to guide them spiritually they're orphans and that is our job as Christians, where to find those people? Where to find those instances where we can serve. And the last one
2: there actually is a, a literal orphan ministry in the church too. Probably.
1: Yes, exactly. Are we down all right, have we finished? Okay, Mike. James, James two fourteen 14 seventeen. Mm-hmm. What good is it, my brother, if a man
2: claims to have faith but has no needs? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food? Says to him, go I wish you well keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs what good is it the same way faith by itself if it is not accompanied by actions is dead
1: that's pretty strong words isn't it can you think, ever think of a time in your life when you did something for someone and you did it out of a heart of service or being a servant and nobody else ever knew what took place in that situation. Can you think of, ever think of a situation? You done that? When I was th- reading the stuff for this lesson, something came to my mind that happened a long time ago. I'm just going to tell you what happened. I don't think I've ever told this before. I may have told it in your class. When I was a minister of Music and Education, First Baptist Church of Chickasha, Oklahoma. You know where Chickasha, Oklahoma is? Yep. Right up 35 outside, uh, south of Oklahoma City. It was snowing one day, really, really cold. Nobody is stirring around. Nobody coming in and out of the church. The staff, we were all kind of huddled up and drinking hot chocolate and talking about the weather and first one thing another. When in walked a guy. One of those kind of homeless looking guys. And he said, Can I talk to somebody? Pastor looked at me and he kind of grinned. He went, You take it. I said, Sure. Went in my office and the guy sat down. He started talking. He said, I'm hungry. Can you help me? I said, Yeah. I don't have a job. Can you help me? I said, I'll try. He crossed his legs and I could see the bottom of his shoes. There were holes in the bottom of his shoes and he was soaking, his feet were soaking wet. And I said, what size shoe do you wear? He said, nine and a half. "Mm -hmm. I I can't do that, Lord. That's my size. Lord said, yeah, you do. I took my lizard cowboy boots off my feet and he put them on and went outside and never saw him again. I went home stocking and put it in the snow. Guys, that's service. When you're doing something that nobody else knows, you did it. Whether it's giving money to the Lottie Moon Christmas (coughs) offering, whether it's helping an orphan, Whether it's helping a widow, whether it's helping your spouse, your child, a friend. There's always somebody out there in need. And what did we say about needs? Meeting needs is being a servant. I want to close tonight's session with something Pat Morley says about service. And to you who came in later, this is what we've been using. If you want to purchase Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines, Twelve Habits to Strengthen Your Walk with Christ. And Pat Morley talks about developing the mindset of a servant. As with all disciplines, we're not trying to develop a service mentality simply because we want to get God's attention or improve our spiritual scorecard. Instead, service fills out of a maturing relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's how it works. Early in your spiritual journey, you didn't have enough Jesus for yourself much less any left over to give away to others. You did your good deeds as duty. However, over time, you began to fill up in your personal relationship with Jesus. You began to plumb the depths of his holiness, mercy, love, and grace. You were awestruck by his power, greatness, and majesty. You were humbled by how you had underestimated the work of Jesus. And you grew. At a point you realized you finally did have enough Jesus for yourself. You felt filled up in your relationship with him. That spurred you on to a new growth. Another couple of years passed and one day you realized that you were filling over with Jesus. Not only did you have enough Jesus for yourself, you had some left over to give away to others as well. In fact, you were so filled overflowing that you felt as if you would burst unless you could give some of him away. That's how a servant is supposed to feel as if he can no longer be happy unless he does something to serve. Anything less will be will represent a failure. Maybe you are there, maybe not. Service is one of the latter disciplines. If you cannot serve out of overflowing gratitude, then don't. Obviously, if a man never feels compelled to serve, here's the crux of the whole matter. If he never feels compelled to serve, he is either one not growing as a disciple, or two, he was never in Christ. Those are strong works. But I think Jesus said it and put it more succinctly than even Pat Morley or I could. If you love me, what? Serve me. Serve me. And guys, I challenge you tonight, find a way that goes beyond the box, thinking outside the box. Goes beyond yourself. Goes beyond your family. Find a way that you can serve whether it's giving money, whether it's going on a mission trip, whether it's giving gifts to the Christmas store. Find a way that you can quietly serve the God and inside your heart. You'll know. You'll know it. You'll feel it. Even as I did that day when I went home in the snow, barefooted. Find a way. Mike?
2: One of the most powerful things I think I'm learning in my life right now is the example of Peter denying Christ three times. And the last time he denied Christ, and Christ said, basically, the I will meet you where you are. And a lot of us men will look out and say, I can't get there, I can't get there, I can't get there, I can't. Don't understand Christ comes to where we are and help us get there. It took me many, many years to figure
0: that out because I looked around and saw him breaking in. I can do
2: that. And I you know, lived the defeated life With a never understood Christ was going to come to me where I'm at. And I can just understand that and
1: then go next. It's sort of like when. When Peter got out and was walking on the water, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, yeah. ah, he sank, didn't he? When we take our eyes off of Jesus and we're out there doing all these deeds because we want somebody to know it, that's taking our eyes off of Jesus, putting the spotlight on us. Find a way to do something for others that doesn't draw the spotlight to yourself, and the only way you can do that is quietly serve Him. And that's what the disciples did, for the most part. Except Peter, he was so boastful. And, of course, Judas. But the rest of those guys were all common guys. Quiet, unassuming. And Jesus said, follow me. Wherever he goes, you go. Whatever he does, you do. And the way you find that is by staying in the Word. And one of those disciplines that we discussed a long time ago... Was the Bible, staying in the Word. Anytime I ever got in trouble in my life, in my marriage, in my ministry, in my vocation, it's when I wasn't staying in the Word. And you will too, if you don't stay in the Word. Let's bow forward in yes. prayer. Yes, John. I just want to say a quick thing. Yes. Um, I, let's, what going to say <laughs> Basically, um, when I helped around here, I enjoyed doing it out of. So when you help around here, you yeah. do it quietly, don't you? I do it quietly, yes.
2: I do it quietly. And, and I, I it. You got it. Yes.
1: I encourage you to uh, answer those 142 questions. I encourage you to go to the Internet, to that <laughs> website. Even if you don't have the money, I think it's $35 to do that. It takes two hours to do it. And you need to find If you're going to do it, you need to do it. Undisturbed, because you you do have to think about your answers. I encourage you to do that. Yes, John. Some some services requires commitments too. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for being here tonight. Oh, what a good class! I'm going to tell Renee and uh, Eric to be gone again. (laughs) Next week will be our final one. It'll be on evangelism. It'll probably be the crowning. It'll be the icing on the cake to the twelve disciplines. And hopefully Larry Lilly, our evangelism director for our church, and Lee Shaw, who is a Rice graduate, he has all kinds of honors. Lee Shaw, uh, summa cum laude from Rice, is also in evangelism in our church. Maybe they can be with us for a few minutes and tell us what's going on in our church in regards to evangelism. Give us a challenge personally. And hopefully we will also do a graduation at the end next week. And if you want to bring a family member or somebody with you to share in that, we'll have it right here after the class next week. We'll have a short class on evangelism, and then we'll just have a sharing time of what this class has meant, some things you may have learned that you'd never thought of before. So next week will be a great, great time, and everybody will be back, and we can just have a good time sharing about the Lord and the 12 disciplines in our own lives. Again, thank you for being here, and let's pray. God, I thank you for this time with these men. I sense in this room tonight, Lord, a me- men who want to be available, who want to be teachable, who are already faithful, and in their personal lives, Lord, they want to be strong men. And as we've seen tonight up on the, the board tonight, men want to make a difference. And Lord, may it be so in the lives of these men here because they've been faithful. They've come to learn. They've come to be changed. And they've come to be strong, faithful men of God. And I thank you for that. I thank you for getting to know new men. And I thank you for bringing new men into the class tonight. And, God, may we all be faithful, available, and teachable as we go about our daily lives, our work, our family, and wherever we go, people will know that we're different by the life that we live. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We would love to have you come in person. We meet Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7 30 at Houston's First Baptist Church. More information is on the web at HoustonsFirst.org, HoustonsFirst.org. Again, have a blessed day.